What have we here? Welcome to the wonders of Theda. Welcome to the Wonders of Theta's podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I'm Jessica. Welcome back. Hope you folks had a good holiday season. Yeah, seriously. Ours was fun. Yes, way too much food, way too much family. We can't have too much family. Well, I think that's exactly how I wanted it. Yeah. We are fortunate enough to have family that we very much enjoy spending time with. We do. We're pretty lucky. Pretty cool people, even Mm. though they probably don't listen to the podcast. Probably don't. But... Hey, family. If you are listening, hello, family. Way to exceed expectations. Woo! Thanks for supporting your local podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it would be very local for you. Exceedingly local for you. Not for my family. I guess. Not fair enough. Yeah. They're pretty far away. Yeah. They got a lot of other stuff they're doing. They're busy Mm. being cool somewhere Mm -hmm. else. So, welcome to NC. Welcome to the new year. We're NC. We're going to be getting right into it, talking about Dragon Age stuff. Uh, nothing super new about the podcast right now, although we might have some announcements at later, to come at a later date. Um, mm-hmm. For now, NC, we're going to go ahead and get right into it. Our main topic for today, we're going to be talking about the Antivan Wayfarer background. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one to talk about. I've done a bit of research, so I'll have a bit of stuff to bring you. Um, and hopefully it will be informative and uh, help you guys springboard with your Antivan characters. We have this Antivan Wayfarer is the winner on our poll for the last couple weeks. Correct. Uh, if you follow we us, we all have no taste. And uh, <laughs> what's wrong with the data? Right. <laughs> uh, if you follow us on Twitter and Google Plus, we put polls on both of those sites. Uh, to help determine what our next episode was going to be about. And the largest number of votes went to the Antivan Wayfarer background. We'll do it every, goodness, I think eight weeks since we'll do a a specific topic next week and then another specialization and another specific topic and then we'll come back to a background and then we'll have another poll for you. Um, But the Antivan Wayfarer won the poll, so we are going to be talking about the Antivan Wayfarer. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm looking forward to talking about this one. It's interesting. This is definitely a part of Thais that doesn't get a lot of screen time. But that might change with Dragon Age 4. Maybe. Anyway, um, nothing happened in Thetis. For once. Yeah. So, uh, no... Well, uh, nothing happened in Thetis outside of our game. At least not this week. Well... (laughs) We had our game last night. Yes. You probably followed... uh, You probably uh, might have caught that our uh, Twitter account exploded... Uh, late if on you a, follow late, our Twitter, late on a Tuesday night, that's when it usually does. I like to I like to live tweet the uh, uh, adventure. I actually live tweeted a four course meal from a Tevinter banquet. Yeah, we. Uh, it was a struggle. It was it was weird. Tevinter's weird. Yeah. So, I guess that's something we can always update. Uh, how's the how, how do you think the campaign's going? Oh, I always love the campaign. Good. It's long-standing now. It's yeah. been going on for a long time. It's true. We're level 17, just kind of like starting to settle into level been 17. a couple of years. Yeah. Goodness, Jeez. I think we started this back in like 2014. Yeah, we did. Yeah. These guys have been going strong for a while. With the current year being 2017 that you are listening to it. Yeah. Oh, let's see, and one of our co-podcasters is very excitable today. You may have heard a few peeps already. Quite possible, yeah. We have many animal companions with us today. Um, As so, 
Yes. I doubt they'll be very helpful this next section, but we'll be happy to have them along mm -hmm. while we are consulting the Codex. You can ask me questions if you like. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. We've got a couple questions, a couple quick ones for you today. Um, from uh, from two very important folks, two very important friends of the podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one from the official friend of the podcast, Kismet mm. Rose. Let's see. The I love official friends. Official friends, yes. I, I made sure. We are Facebook yeah. official. We are Facebook official friends. Awesome. Great. Um, but Kismet Rose already posted this question on the Green Running forums and on her a uh, couple of Facebook pages involving the Dragon Age role playing game. Um, but we thought we would just uh, try our hand at it here. Um, her question was, how many game sessions tend to go live before the player characters level up? Hmm. That's a good question, actually. It is. I think that depends on what your level is, as well mm -hmm. as the way your GM decides to award experience. Yes. And what the, <laughs> because there are, you know, for other RPGs, you've got stuff like, this monster is worth exactly this much experience. This right. monster is worth exactly this much experience. Right. This is a much more fluid scale mm -hmm. and one that relies a lot more on GM discretion. Yes. So you may roll up, you may level up faster with one GM than you would with another. Mm -hmm. But uh, that being said, I think level has a lot to do with it because of simply how the uh, how much experience is mm -hmm. between the two levels. Yeah. Like level one to two, very likely in one or two sessions. Mm -hmm. Level seventeen, we're probably going to need like another. Like 5,000 or something experience to get to the next one. No, yeah. Well, no, 4,000. Yeah, but we're going to need multiple sessions yes, to get from 17 to 18. Mm -hmm. but, and, uh, uh, of course, uh, let's see, on, uh, I followed the boards a little bit, and they talked about how some GMs completely skip the experience counter and just have the PCs level up when it feels appropriate. Uh, which I is, kind of like that too. Yeah, which is a perfect, both of which are perfectly valid, uh, but useful for different reasons. Um, of course, both of the in both cases, the GM has quite a bit of control over how much experience the PCs are getting or how quickly they are leveling up. Um, so it's going to be a very how quickly uh, player characters level up is probably going to be a very campaign by campaign basis. Again, you have to talk to your GM about it. If you guys, if you, of course, I mean, talk to your GM if you feel like it's going kind of slow or maybe it's going too fast for you. Mm -hmm. But um, the way the Dragon Age experience works, at least by the core rulebook, is um, after every encounter, the GM has to kind of ask, uh, assess how well the PCs did it. Like, Yeah, it, how like, easy did it. Yes. Not even necessarily how well, because it could have right. been really hard. That's true, that's true. you prevailed nonetheless. Mm. But, you know, if you guys manage to take them out without anybody losing a single hit point or yes. having to use any resources, you're probably not going to get a whole lot of experience mm -hmm. for that fight. Yeah, they say, you know, if, if you didn't uh, learn anything. Right. You, if it turns out it was an easy encounter, you give them, like, I think it's 100 experience. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a routine encounter, by which we mean, like, you go to the shop and you buy a thing, there was no danger in that, so you don't get any experience. Um, if the encounter was about, uh, well, you know, it required, you know, maybe the PCs took some damage, um, they had to give and take a little bit. They had to spend some resources on it. Uh, but nobody was really in mortal peril. Then you give them like 250 experience, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then if the encounter was just not going very well, uh, maybe death was was close at hand or uh, or even just the PCs had to expend a lot of resources to get the encounter done, then you mm -hmm. give them like 400 experience. 
Yeah. And so, yeah. I'll, don't forget that role play and exploration encounters yes. are also experience. Mm-hmm. It's true. Not just combat. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, uh, some GMs will award uh, ad hoc experience if the PCs reach a certain milestone, like if, uh, or um, will even maybe give the party an experience payout if one of the PCs completes one of their goals. That's or... actually, I think, recommended. I believe. Yes, definitely. When somebody is. makes a goal and completes it, then mm-hmm. there should definitely be an XP reward. Yes. So yeah, uh, that wasn't a very clear answer. <laughs> Uh, it's whatever you as a GM feel is appropriate and whatever the players are comfortable with. If the player players, if you're feeling that the experience is coming a little slowly uh, and that the, the challenges are still getting tougher, feel free to just kind of nudge the GM about it and say, hey, you know, we're still level three and there's an ogre over there. What's going on here? Well, and another important thing to factor in is how long your game sh- sessions are. Yes. Because people who play, say, on weekends get... Sessions that can be like, heck, you know, seven to eight hours long if they really feel like right, it. Right, yeah. And ours, because we're playing on Tuesday nights and mm-hmm. we all have jobs. And well, like three or four hours. Yeah, three or four hours. Five hours if we're lucky. Yeah, if four nobody if has focused. to come home and cook. Right. Which is almost never. It's, it's true. Um, then it's usually about four hours, mm-hmm. give or take. Yeah. And uh, so we, obviously, it takes more for us in, in a the measurement of game sessions to level up than it would for somebody whose game sessions are longer. Mm-hmm. But on average, I'd say just it really depends. Like if you're low level, going from maybe one to two or two to three, mm-hmm. maybe two or three sessions. Yeah. And when you're like where we are, you know, level, level 17, seven. it's probably going to be quite a few sessions before we level three up. at least, probably more like four or five. Oh, I'm expecting at least five. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a little while. You guys got a lot of stuff. Unless to do we're, that. Yeah, unless we're getting real focused and you know mm-hmm. destroying just, some baddies. Just going at it. And going we are not it. known for that. So. <laughs> no, it's true. You, you characters have a lot to say. They do. Sometimes those things are actually valuable. Mm-hmm. And honestly, some of those things might be worth experience. That's true. I'm pretty sure us getting into fist fights though. It's not. Well, with each other. Right, getting into fist fights with each other. You guys yourselves aren't worth experience points. Nah. If one of you starts calling each other a rabbit and then I don't want to talk about it. Inside a carriage. Just about before you're about to meet the uh, the Orlesian alienage, you know. You know, she had it coming. <laughs> okay, well, hopefully that answered the question at least a little bit. Yes. At least some food for thought, Kismet Rose. Thank you very much. Uh, the next, of course, comes from our, uh, let's see, our not yet Facebook approved or anything approved just yet, but... I approved. Our our approved, yes. Jessica approved. And Ren approved. Friend of the podcast, Percival, on the Green Running Forums. Hello again. We always approve of Percival. Yes. Uh, Percival, I truncated your question just a little bit because there's a lot of context to be added, but your question boiled down to this line. Uh, what are your thoughts on using NPCs as extra help for the party? Because this was coming on the heels of our last episode where we talked about um, uh, groups and their um, their, their um, builds and how mm-hmm. many people are in there. And we mentioned, you know, solo campaigns. Yeah. Uh, he did bring up that Kismet Rose, as a matter of fact, is actually running a solo campaign. Oh. She's got one player. And it sounds like uh, three NPCs tagging along with that player. That's always fun. Mm-hmm. We did, we've done some of that with uh, yes. Pathfinder. Solo campaigns are definitely a very different monster, um, but let's see, using NPCs as extra help with the party is probably going to be a necessity. Come here. Oh, little fella. 
You're going to need NPCs to help this little cat. Little cat, be your baby. <laughs> but yeah, I really, I like this question. Hmm. Part of it's because I like the way you run characters, but I'm always very fond of having NPCs join the party. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would be as fond if it was only a GM. Fair enough. But you, Ren has a particular talent, and you can ask literally anybody. Not It's not just because I'm his wife. Yeah. But well, thank you. He has a particular talent for world building and for creating very in-depth uh, characters and breathing life into them. So She's being kind. I'm being a dick. <laughs> See? I'm being, um, you don't have you don't have to have to respond. It's cool. Fair enough. <laughs> but the uh, so we have several NPCs actually tagging along with our group, mm-hmm. and they're all very much beloved by the group, and they have very important roles within the group. From a roleplay standpoint, three of them, in fact, are each romantic interests for PCs. Mm. And then we have a couple others. But uh, there was recently, our most recent major combat was one wherein they were helping us. Mm-hmm. And I thought that the way you dealt with their presence without unbalancing the game for a party of three mm-hmm. was really clever. We had three player characters, and goodness, I think you guys had four NPC friends. Yeah, well, we were, it was a parade, that. and they were all hiding yeah. in the, on the roofs, mm-hmm. and one of them was sitting next to us in the parade, and... We all knew there was something about to go down, so everybody was ready. And then mm-hmm. what you did with the NPCs was he had uh, for e- he had some extra enemies on the field. We had perhaps more enemies than he would normally put in an encounter designed for three characters. But each NPC could engage um, one enemy. And obviously not... We had one major boss character, and that would have been... We could have had somebody engage him, but they probably would have died. And he would have each sort of pair-off role, opposing roles. And isn't that about what you were doing back there? Yes. And depending on how well each person did, uh, you know, the enemy would take damage or our ally would take damage. It was a very simple way of keeping them in the fight and showing that they are relevant and also having them aid us in the fight while not unbalancing the game. So the people who were actually using stunts and making real attacks and using class features were the PCs, but our NPCs were still technically aiding us in that they were keeping certain elements of the fight at bay. So I thought that was an excellent balance between not having them involved and having them mm-hmm. you know, run the initiative for a bajillion years. Uh, a solo campaign does require a little bit of extra bookkeeping on the GM's part. Oh yeah, especially solo campaign you, uh, is yeah. different, whole different thing. It is, yes. Um, if you got a solo campaign, then the GM needs to create all of the uh, allies uh, that go with the player, and um, because you've got only one player, you might be trying to uh, tailor their abilities and their personalities so that they either fit well or they uh, or they are a good foil for the one player character. Mm-hmm. A uh, recommendation uh, it, I would have, because the GM already has so much to do. Mm-hmm. You have to create a lot of is, NPCs for every other situation. Exactly. You know, and potentially play these three NPCs who are going against your own NPCs. And, and make the story and run the numbers and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. But I would recommend, once you've got the stat blocks down for your NPCs, when it comes to combat, give them to your player. And have your player try and run them. Because it can be very difficult i would imagine to get to make everything go at the same time Mm -hmm. 
And maybe don't even do it all the time, but sometimes that could be probably pretty useful. Yeah. Or maybe hand some of those NPCs to folks who want to sit in on the campaign and want to take a look. Mm-hmm. And you can be like, hey, you want to play somebody? We got a character who needs a player. Here yeah. And if you do have uh, people who stop in, that's a fun one to do. Mm-hmm. We have a Pathfinder campaign that does that. I would like to continue that, by the way. I've been thinking about it. Oh, good. I'm good. thinking about uh, that, I that miss it quite book. a bit. The second book gets a little grisly for the main character, but because uh, hey. it involves a lot of grisly murder. It'll be fine. Hmm. But, but she has probably seen worse as a she goblin. Has. Yeah. Well, hmm. Dragon Age-wise, right. I think that that's a pretty solid answer for that question. <laughs> yes. Minus the part about the goblin. Right about the character goblin. Do we know about the goblins yet? We know they have uh, ghasts. They won't Which be as cute. They, they won't They're, be as cute as Pathfinder really, goblins. Really I'm sorry, aren't. Pathfinder <laughs> goblins are the cutest goblins. They're important. Anyway, um, if you have a question about the UNC, oh, thank you, Parsifal. Thank you again for the question. As always. Hope this was some food for thought. Um, if you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG yourself, uh, any questions of any kind, you can send a message to one is a Thetis podcast at gmail.com. Send it through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, or SoundCloud accounts, or you can send a personal message to Cotter Protector on the Green Roading forums. That's him. That's me. And you can always leave a comment on our uh, TFL. should add a little part about our um, WordPress blog. Oh, yeah. But uh, we'll be talking about that blog here in a second because we are going to be opening our books to the dissonant verses. Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map? Past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. <laughs> of course, but... Welcome to the Dissonant Verses. We're going to start by tooting our own horn a little bit because I sat down for a day and I went through all of the belts in Dragon Age uh, Origins and the belts in Dragon Age Awakening, except save maybe a, cu- save a couple. Um, there are some that just do not translate very well. There's some that don't translate very well. There's some that I wanted to leave out because they were like for specific characters. Mm-hmm. Like I, didn't, I also didn't really feel like uh, converting the chastity belt. Yeah. Especially because it has some abilities like low morale, yeah. messy kills, minus two dexterity. Ugh. So I don't, that was that was weird. But disregard um, disregard uh, that disregard that chastity belt because there's a uh, on our blog one is a thetis podcast dot wordpress dot com. There is a blog post called the back shelves. We've been doing uh, a couple. We've already done one for one uh, blog of item conversions for rings from Origins and Awakening. And now this is belts. We have 33 new belts for the Dragon Age RPG that you can take down off the shelf, see what you think, and see if it's on sale. And pay boatloads of gold for them either Oh, way. definitely, yeah. They're not exactly direct conversions from the video game to the RPG, and several of them have increased or decreased in power, but feel free to check them out and see if they'd be good for your own games. And then um, we don't have a specific creation submission, but I thought we would uh, highlight a couple of things uh, because... We have two folks who I would like to thank for their tireless contributions. Um, their contributions are far too many to count by this point. Um, of course, talking about Icarus from the Green Roaring Forums and his Nerd Rose, our friend. Officially. Officially. Still official. They have some fantastic creations for Dragon Age. We're going to be uh, including links to both of their creations on our blog on our blog post and in the resources for your game. Uh, recently, from our friend Icarus, Icarus uh, statted out some magical staves, uh, see for some uh, more endgame-based staves, uh, and even made the stats for the companions in Leliana's Song DLC. Mm. 
And uh, recently from Kismet Rose, that's uh, in addition to an adventure log for the second session that they just held for their for her home game. Uh, yeah, which we got to catch up with is, those. Which has been sounding really interesting so far. Um, she also um, posit- she also posed the possibility of drow, dark elves in Dragon Age, how they might exist in Dragon Age, and if they did. She included like four or five backgrounds for for uh, noble houses for for drow that live on the deep roads. I love the uh, I love the idea. I think that that that's a particularly interesting one to apply to the Dragon Age lore. Mm-hmm. That would be really interesting, especially once you start getting into things like trespasser. Yeah, and we Ray can... would, would raise spoilers. Yes, yeah, spoilers. You should go play that game. Kismet. I know you've only played Dragon Age two. I don't even know if she. I don't know if, know if she. I think she's still in Dragon Age Two. I don't know if she's even finished it yet. Got to get to Inquisition. There's some cool stuff. Anyway, um, thank you both for your tireless work for the Dragon Age role playing game. Uh, you can find all these submissions and more archived in our resources for your game page on our blog, wondersofthetispodcast.wordpress.com. If you'd like to let us know about some custom Dragon Age RPG content, or even send us some of your own, you can send a message to the Wonders of Thetis pod, to Wonders of Thetis Podcast at gmail.com. There is no the on the beginning of that. Uh, send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google Plus, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Copper Guru Detector on the Green Ronin forums. That's me. Indeed. So we should uh, get to the uh, meet the. I guess we should take our shiny knives and get to the heart of the matter. For our main topic today, because we're talking. Let's begin the assassin drills. Uh, we're talking about the Antivan Wayfarer. This is our main topic for today. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. So we're talking about Antivans, specifically the Antivan Wayfarer background. You can turn to pages 14 and 15. This is a pretty cool background. I hope you folks will like it. Uh, it's got a lot of guile. Mm-hmm. Well, as one would expect from an Antivan Wayfarer, you have <laughs> to be particularly good at uh, talking to people. Mm-hmm. And you get some bonuses for talking to people and bargaining yeah. and... Uh, Making sure that you can get what you need and get where you need to go. And Tevens are a talkative bunch. Uh, you cannot be a mage, obviously, with yes. this archetype. You must yeah. be a rogue mm-hmm. or a warrior. You'd be taking the apostate or the circle mage backgrounds, or if you want to be a mage. Uh, and Antiven does have circles. Um, we'll get into a little bit of that. Uh, the Antiven Wayfarer ra- is also is kind of a background that you use if your character comes from Antiva. Uh, an exciting nation of wine, pirates, merchant princes, princesses, intrigue, and home of the greatest guild of assassins, the House of Crows. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can use this background as kind of a general Antivan citizen if it works for your campaign. Um, Antiva does have several social classes and social stratas like other nations, so you could also kind of adapt other like things like Orlesian commoner to represent uh, Antivan common folk or Orlesian noble to represent the upper crust. This background kind of falls into the vein, the uh, understanding and uh, understanding of where you come from the world, uh, like the Elysian Exile background, in that you are, uh, like the Elysian Exile background, you're from Orlais, but you've left for one reason or another. And so uh, this is the Antivan who has left Antiva. Yes. Most of the backgrounds, I think, uh, kind of make the assumption that you that the adventures are taking place in Ferelden, because it's the most well-established place in yeah. Dragon Age, it's got the most to work with. It but, has the best dogs. Yes. 
Yes. All of these are losing. Objectively, yes. Objectively the best dogs. Although all dogs are the best dogs. Spoiler alert. You are the best dog, Boots. Hmm. Boots cannot respond. He can only sit here and be cute. Hmm. He's a good dog. Yeah. Best friend. He is not, however, an Antivan Wayfarer. No. Um, Who is an Antivan Wayfarer, perhaps, in uh, our Dragon Age universe? Yes, we've got a couple of examples. Uh, The first example that probably jumps to most people uh, who know about Dragon Age is Zevran Aranai, potential Mm -hmm. companion from Dragon Age Origins. Basically, the most obvious example, um, it is possibly debatable whether or not he took the the city elf background, but I, as a GM, would have been perfectly happy with him taking the Antivan Wayfarer background because it fits him to a T. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on his background, he definitely ant- uh, identifies more with the Antivan Wayfarer background than he does with the City Elf background. Does the Antivan Wayfarer background normally allow you to be an elf, or do you need to be human? I think uh, the way it's written kind of assumes that you're human. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to be. You okay. could even be like a dwarven Antivan Wayfarer if you want to be. That's hey. true. I don't think anywhere in here yeah. it says that you have to be human. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of the backgrounds really make that much of a... Well, I guess... I think there are a few. There are a couple, like City Elf, Dalish Elf, Dwarf Commoner. <laughs> the ones that actually say the race in them. If, pro- probably if it's assuming, got the race in it, you probably... Yeah, they're probably assuming that you're a specific race. Uh, this one, you could argue, does not necessarily argue which race you are. Yeah, so I think Zevran is an excellent fit. Definitely. Who uh, else is from Antique? Another very important fit for this background would be Josephine Montelier. One of the advisors from Dragon Age Inquisition. She's the mm-hmm. uh, diplomat of the, Inqui- of the Inquisition. Uh, her family is, in fact, from Antiva. Uh, used to be a very powerful in Antiva, and you learn a bit about their fate, the, the fate of the, her family in the video game if you play uh, Dragon Age Inquisition and do her quests. But yes, uh, she, She's does, a she does remind Cullen that you never bet against an Antivan. Mm-hmm. Um, some less known uh, examples that some folks might grasp. Uh, Claudio Valisti is from the Silent Grove comic books. Uh, likely took this background. He's one of the primary antagonists of the comic books. Let's um, see, or at least in the Silent Grove comic books. Uh, at past that, he doesn't really get very far. Um, Castion uh, from Dragon Age 2 is the one who hired Isabella to move slaves, which she refused, uh, and also hired her to move a very important artifact to the story. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, spoilery. Yes, yes. And since we know there are people currently playing it, we will mm-hmm. not go too much further. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he would have taken the Antivan Wayfarer background. Uh, and little fa- little uh, nugget, if your warden from Dragon Age Origins was a human noble, your sister-in-law, Oriana, took this background. Hmm. She was Antivan. I was a human noble, and I mm-hmm. didn't even realize that. Yeah, I think she mentions it if you talk to her husband. Huh. Yeah. It, it's an interesting. It's an interesting little notice. Of course, if you know what happens in the human back, in the human noble background, there's a reason that you may not. There's a reason pick up on that one. May not have latched onto that quite so well. That something else might have been happening that was distracting yeah. you. So um, you're an Antivan wayfarer, which means you wayfared from a place called Antiva. You wayfared. You wayfared. You wayfared. Is that a verb away. now? You wayfared. You fared away. <laughs> yes, but you left Antiva. So what's Antiva like? We'll talk a little bit about Antiva. Uh, so Antiva is a nation that is often romanticized by those outside of it. It is a nation of witty duelists, swashbuckling pirates, wealthy merchant princes, lethal intrigues, and deadly assassins. Mm. And while technically all of those are true, uh, it's not quite the grand game of Olay. Not quite so played up and quite so mythical. Um, although all those things definitely happen, it 
if you step into an Antivan town, the uh, architecture is going to be different, but the people are pretty much going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, the language, of course, was different. Antiva has its own language, um, which uh, I've Antivan. yeah Antivan, which I've actually noticed, and um, a couple of the characters, at least from the video games, uh, speak a little uh, speak a little Spanish. So I don't know if it's actually like straight up confirmed, but. If you happen to be able to speak Spanish, you could probably sprinkle a little bit of Spanish into your uh, into your role playing of the character, and it'd come off as very uneven. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. It would appear. Let's see. It would appear that inspiration for uh, it was pulled from real Earth, uh, it, a little bit of Italy, and a little bit of Spain. So feel free to have the game imitate real life mm-hmm. if you know about them. If you know uh, more about Spain and Italy than we do, perhaps. I've been to Italy. You've been to Italy. I've never been off this dang continent. Well, I guess, unless Hawaii counts. It does. I guess so. Yeah. I've never been there. Well, there we go. It's cool. But, uh, <laughs> you can definitely see some of the inspiration from those two particular uh, cultural uh, points. Mm-hmm. And, definitely. Uh, you can probably extrapolate a little bit from that and look into, I would say, particularly, it seems like Venetian Italy. Yeah. I think they, they, I think it's actually been said that Antiva City is meant to be um, very reminiscent of Venice. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, a little bit of background about Antiva. It traces its origins back to pirates and some land lovers and them becoming friends. Uh, well, when a group of pirates and miscreants settled in the Rialto Bay, which is the... Uh, <laughs> the Rialto Bay, really? Yeah, it's actually called Rialto. There's, there's, a, there's a river. A bri- there's a bridge. There's a bri- in, yeah, there's a Rialto, right? Yeah, there, yeah. yeah. Yep, they named it. See that that one. That one was definitely borrowed. Uh, the let's see, they settled in Rialto Bay, um, and let's see, and actually, I think made uh, established the settlement of Rialto, uh, looking for a safer but no less lucrative life than piracy. Um, they eventually discovered they had placed down roots on the land of a governing body of a near a nearby city, uh, Antiva City. Now they didn't get along necessarily right away, but these pirates and and this uh, already established governments eventually came to a fragile peace, and they banded together, eventually growing into a nation of powerful merchants and fat royalty. And, uh, Antiva is technically a monarchy. Yes. Not that it actually is run by those monarchs, but it no. is technically yeah. a monarchy. And their royal line goes back what two and a half thousand years. Then that's pretty pretty stellar. That's an extremely long line of, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's impressive. Uh, but as Brother Genetivi puts it, it is simply that no one pays attention to them whatsoever. Hmm. The, the real power and held in Antiva is in the immense wealth of a squabbling collection of merchant princes and princesses, although they are almost, almost always referred to as princes. I don't know if it might be a unisex for, uh It could be term. a unisex term. It could be a unisex term. Um, but merchant princes who prefer to sue for what they want uh they stand these are uh, the folks who stand at the tops of banks trading companies shipping companies various wealthy businesses like shipbuilding winemaking and textiles uh, the monarchy is quite weak in comparison just because it has considerably less money um and the merchant princes just have enough money that they can bribe who they need to or they can hire some hire some muscle that the the, the monarchy just can't catch it um, not to say that the monarchy is completely without teeth. Uh, the law, let's see, but the law is often worked around through bribes and legal ploys from merchant princes when it suits them. Um, but while the law likely dictates that the monarchy has sovereign power, the money held by the merchant princes means that they can make life exceedingly difficult for the royalty, so the royalty usually just steps aside. Uh, 
I love plutocracy. Yay. Money. Money makes right. But. I, uh, I like this. There's a thing to uh, say about one of the earlier queens of Antiva. Mm. And I, yes. I think uh, she and my character share a name, so mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Yes, the famous Queen Asha Campana, known as the Queen Mother of Thetis. Uh, back in the Black Age, cleverly married the ineffectual king, Dario. Uh, but while on the throne as queen, she, uh, the wealthy merchant daughter sought to increase the power of Antiva and herself uh, by marrying off her children to the royal and noble families of various other nations of Thetis. She didn't keep it in, she didn't keep it in, in Antiva. She, she, she uh, had her children plant roots everywhere. Um, her family now has her, the royal line of Antiva now has such incredible reach across Thetis that by royal lineage, any attack against Antiva would now be an attack on several families and other nations. Meaning that uh, attacking Antiva would probably provoke or could potentially like provoke Orle, the Anderfels, Navarra, maybe maybe the Free Marches, maybe even as far as Ferelden, maybe even mm-hmm. apparently even some of the Tevinter Magisters are related. Probably not Pargolin. Probably probably not. Probably not <laughs> the Kunari. That's not a thing they do. That's a little too far. Um, but let's see. But this very clever political machination has uh, is one of the things that keeps Antiva safe um, from any direct confrontations. Didn't necessarily keep them safe from the Kunari, but the Kunari don't care much for what the folks in the south do, as long as it's Kunari mostly don't care about things that yeah, are not they don't. Keen. Yep. Keen, keen. <laughs> so, this contributes to Antiva's usual neutrality in most political matters, simply because they have the luxury that they don't have to necessarily raise a finger, because they're already involved in everything, in a way. Yeah. But all those other nations will take care of it for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, because of this culture where money makes right, merchant, uh, mercantilism is a lucrative business to enter and can make you a lot of money in a relatively rich country. Uh, again, yeah. mm-hmm. um, the money. The money. Being the thing that runs the people. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, let's see. Money is going to get you over the royalty, kind of. Um, but, of course, the amount of trade that Intiva does, because it is a trade, very trade-heavy nation, especially because it's a it's a, it's a very big port nation, and they have a lot of ships and a lot of pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, Antiva makes a lot of money and, and, and sells a lot of things to other people who don't necessarily maybe want to provoke them because they would hurt the trade. Uh, a, little, let's see, a little tidbit that's not too exciting about Antiva. It's somewhat patriarchal. Mm. But um, it, it's... It, it's kind of considered a societal norm that women are pure and virtuous. Define women. pure. Don't Let's define see. pure. Am I going to be upset? More like a women Women don't fight. Uh, the women don't uh, dirty their hands or such things. Um, the men do those. Prescribed yeah. gender roles. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. There's a I lot mean, of, I know you're going to see a lot of that in a lot of yeah, places. It's unfortunately, yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily always hold true. Uh, there are plenty of Antiven crows who are, who are women and... Um, Let's see, and there you can you can find a couple of exa- you can find a couple of examples if you uh, take a look of women warriors and rogues from Antiva. It's it's a, it's a societal norm. Yeah, your PCs are not necessarily mm. going to be held Correct. to such mm. standards when they're outside of Antiva. No, it's what makes them heroes. They stand out. And they don't have to deal with that nonsense. Well, nope. you actually, if you're in Antiva, you probably do have to deal with that nonsense. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate evil. But, um, 
Continuing with uh, continuing with this, uh, the levies likely, and even men, who have a lot of money, uh, the merchant princes, and you know, potentially princesses, we don't know, um, just because they can't fight does not mean that they can't become filthy rich. That is true. Did you find out anything about whether or not uh, women was... have political power? They apparently don't have the ability to fight in common society, but did you um, find out anything about that? Um, there's not really, a, unfortunately, a list uh, or, 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 or like any examples of uh, members of these mer- of these merchant prince houses. So, it's kind of up in the air. I don't see any reason why there wouldn't be any female merchant princes. Um, now, all those fat cats up there, all those merchant princes or princesses, um, likely have a lot of money. They are probably going to be very common employers for adventurers and could uh, would make great patrons for parties of, of PCs. Um, your Antivan Wayfarer may be, may, maybe has one of these uh, merchant princes as a patron. Maybe they need PCs to take, make a dangerous move against a business rival to embarrass them or steal an opportunity from them. Maybe a merchant prince wants the PC to find a valuable item that the PCs later find out has dangerous magical powers that the merchant prince intends to exploit and later dispose of the PCs. Maybe the PCs come, uh, become privy to a dangerous secret. One of the merchant princes or their powerful associates is an apostate. They become hunted by the merchant's family and allies. Oof, these could all be rough. These could all be little things that uh, maybe made your character a wayfarer as opposed to an anti-even citizen. Mm-hmm. Excellent plot hooks. Mm-hmm. Now, um, let's see. So the, that money could have chased you out of Antiva. Um, it could also mean that you have some that you have some uh, stake in uh, working for those folks, but. Um, Another thing you might have stake in is religion, because chan- the Chantry is the dominant religion in Antiva. It did reach these folks. The Chantries are as common here as anywhere else in Thetis, save Ravane, where the Chantry never caught on, or Orlay, which is the seat of Chantry power, so there's probably more Chantries there. Uh, most people will finally be as religious as they need to be in their daily lives, but there are plenty of pious folk and Chantry sisters and scholars. How well Chantry priests took to the materialistic merchants and the deadly assassins of the House of Crows could be interesting seeds of adventure for your character and some of their goals. That's true. Maybe uh, the Chantry hired the PC, hires the PC or PCs to investigate reports of blood magic and strange rituals, only to find that a merchant prince's associates are using blood magic to manipulate business partners into granting better deals. That's real sketchy. Maybe one of the Chantry sisters, who's a friend of your Antiven Wayfarer PC, knows a secret. And believes that they are being targeted by the House of Crows, and they come to you seeking assistance. I would that not like to be, be on the other side of the House right. of Crows. Heck, that would also be a great reason to get out of Antiva. When when the crows are after you, it's a good time mm-hmm. to not be there. Yep. Speaking of crows, a murder of crows. No conversation in Antiva is complete without touching on the most powerful entities in Antiva and one of the most far-reaching organizations in Thetis. One that you likely have maybe met a member of or uh, maybe had some dizzy dealings with, the House of Crows. We mentioned them a couple times. Uh, Brother TV once wrote, Since Antivans are well known for being good at everything but fighting, it is more than a little ironic that Antiva possesses the most deadly assassins in the world. He means that. Mm-hmm. They're usually called the Antivan Crows by outsiders, but the Crows are the most powerful collection of spies, assassins, and thieves in Thetis. Their reach and skill are so well known uh, that it is accepted that Antiva has no need of a standing army. Indeed, Antiva has no army. There is no Antivan army. Armies marching mm-hmm. in Antiva would likely find little resistance, but a lingering threat looms in the air that their leaders would be found dead the next morning. 
this threat has kept Antifa safe for for centuries. And yeah, it's an interesting way to defend one's nation. Is mm-hmm. People know that you can strike at the head of any particular oh, yes. enemy. Any serpent that wa- that uh, wanders into our garden gets the head cut off. Keeps the serpents out. Mm-hmm. Now, naturally, there are other assassins guilds like the House of Repose and Relay, the Card of Loyalists, the remaining legendary Beards. An interesting one to hear about. Yeah. Uh, but the crows are known to be unparalleled. You would have likely learned to stay away from the crow business and to avoid the ire of the crows at all costs. Wherever the crows look, death follows. That being said, there is plenty of adventure to be had. Uh, and see, might see, as we mentioned, on the run from the crows. Maybe working for the crows, or dealing with the crows, the merchant princes, and the royalty all at the same time. <laughs> you know, just in case your life wasn't co- yeah. uh, complicated enough. And Diva is quite an intrig- quite an intrigue-heavy nation. Maybe the crows are searching for a friend of yours who may decide, and, see, and you may have to decide whether or not you should turn them in for a favor with the crows, or risk hiding them, as you mentioned with the Jandry sister. Maybe the crows have a new recruit uh, that you knew from childhood. Maybe you, know, it's a, you meet them and not everything goes as planned as your friend suddenly slits the throat of an acquaintance who had a price on their head. And maybe you come, you've come across some information or a resource that both the princes, the merchant princes and the House of Crows desire, sparking debates, calling hits on you and your allies, or maybe even offers from the Antivan royalty who would like a leg up in their own nation. Mm-hmm. That's some pretty high-profile stuff, but uh, some possible food for thought for why your Antivan is a wayfarer. It has everything you need for um, for simulating a medieval society. So most standard fantasy tropes can be applied to stories that come from there. Um, most uh, occupations that you would have expected in, uh, in in probably just about anywhere else in Thetis, you'll find in in, uh, in Antiva. Just um, let's see, um, ocean-based shipping transport, uh, fishing, and especially leatherworking are very important industries in in Antiva. Mm-hmm. As Zephyr will let you know. So um, this background, like a couple of others, is quite broad. So dozens of past occupations and living conditions can work for your character. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a high or low class, one way or another, you're out, you're moving around, or maybe you're just on business. That's true. And like we've said, some of the things that uh, could be involved in your background, you may have made somebody angry, you know, made... It doesn't really matter if it was a crow, a prince, a merchant prince, or an actual prince. If you've angered any of those people, you probably mm-hmm. want to be elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Especially because a lot of them will probably be happy to give money to the crows to find you. Yeah, in the end, it'll still be the crows that come kill you. Probably. But it doesn't matter who you made mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you've left Antiva on a job from one of these pe- one of these groups. Uh, you may be... Uh, your training in your chosen class may be heavily influenced by one of those organizations, or your upbringing in this really politically charged environment could have set you up to be very good at dealing with this kind of intrigue. Mm. Maybe you just got a, got a job as a bodyguard, so now you're mm-hmm. a rogue. Speaking of rogues, you can, as you <laughs> could always be a member of the Antivan Crows, but definitely talk with your GM before making this one a thing, because... Being a member of the Crows is going to have a lot of ties that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's one of those things that could end badly. And now sometimes yes. it's really good when stories end badly like that. But mm-hmm. just talk to your GM. Make sure you plan a bit out in advance for what you're expecting mm-hmm. as an Antivan Crow. 
and what sort of impact that's going to have on your inter-party communication. I, I mean, I would also let the other players know in in Session Zero that you're mm. going to be an Antivan Crow. Their players, may, I mean, their characters may not be aware, but I would let the players know. You don't have to if this is the kind of group that likes to have surprises sprung. But in the uh, interest of good communication and everybody being able to prepare their character reactions, mm. it's just a good idea. Yeah. Now some, you could have some really, really... Uh, yeah. Interesting stories coming about by oh, having yeah. an Antiva and Crowden party. Antiva is just chock full of intrigue, so feel free to let some of that intrigue follow your character out of Antiva. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to happen. Yes, go forth and twirl your well-oiled mustaches. Mm-hmm. That is what I imagine Antiva is generally about. <laughs> Antiva is all about that. Twirling the mustaches. Mm, so, I don't <laughs> have any Antivan characters. So. No. I think yeah, it would be fun. I. Could be fun to do that for another campaign. Mm. Mike made that Antivan Wayfarer That's character. true. Our friend Mike made an Antivan Wayfarer character who was a cheese merchant. Yes. And was a resoundingly successful character. We, we mm-hmm. enjoyed the character quite a lot. <laughs> he was very intrigued on uh, learning about uh, Dalish cheese making. Yeah, with holla cheese. Mm-hmm. Very unique flavor. Yes. But uh, I think... become a merchant prince. Of cheese. Of Halati of Dalish cheese. No one would see that coming. That is, I was just going to say, that is not something that people would be expecting. Blue Ocean Market. No one's touched it yet. There's an incredible demand for Dalish cheese. I really don't think there is. Well, dream big. Dream big. You dream big. (laughs) But I think, my dear, that Mm. uh, it's time to wrap up our intrigue and carry on with uh, mm. the rest of our less exciting lives. Yes, going for the kale on this episode. But, uh, so, um, let's see, thank you all for listening in. Hope this has uh, provoked some food, let's see, um, given you all some food for thought that hopefully is not poisoned. No, with Antiva, one never knows. Yep. And, uh, we definitely went more with, uh, fluff options mm-hmm. today. Yes. But, uh, if you would like to see all the, uh, particular stats for this background, then I recommend you buy a certain book. Yeah, you probably buy the core rule book and take a look at page 15. Yeah. And 14. And 14, yes. You get a bit more flavor in there. Mm-hmm. Nothing we haven't talked about, but uh, you can see this is a very good background for folks who want to be silver-tongued. It is. Mm-hmm. It lends itself very well to rogues, but there's no reason you can't be a, you can't be a warrior. Indeed. So... But- until next time, I suppose. Thank you all for listening. This is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that dragon died. And this is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy healing. Thank you so much for listening to the What is the Fetish podcast. We'll be with you in two more weeks. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.